hear snap, crackle, pop um, all through the service. I say that because that's what I would do. Let's pray. Father, I ask that as we look into your word, I ask that you would just come and speak to our hearts. We want to hear from you. want to hear from you. We want you to come and meet with us and just talk to us this morning. Draw us closer to you. Lord, give me the words that need to be said and not the ones that don't. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been talking about miracles the last few weeks, been looking at various kinds of miracles. and began by looking at miracles of deliverance. I mean, you go all throughout the Gospels and, and you continually see you know, Jesus uh, uh, in, in a deliverance ministry. You see him setting people free from the demons that keep them bound up, the demons that, that uh, are wreaking havoc in their lives. And then as you read through in the book of Acts, you see that continue with, uh, with the disciples setting people free, uh, performing miracles of deliverance. Um, and, and then we talked about miracles of healing, and we heard testimonies over the last couple of weeks of people in the congregation that, that uh, experienced miracles of healing, you know, and, and I mean where people pray and boom, it happens, you know, not, not just interceding, but we talked about the fact that, you know, Jesus never told us to pray for the sick. Do you realize that? He never told us to pray for the sick, he, but, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to give that impression. We should be praying for the sick. He just never told us to do that. What he told us to do was heal the sick and say, whoa, I can't do that, and you're right, neither can I. But with Christ in us, we can. On our own, we can't, but with Christ in us, we can. And, you know, so, you know, one of the things we've been practicing is, and, and is just... That, that prayer of, of you know, like, you know uh, of command, uh, of, you know, like when, when Jesus rebuked the fever and said, go, you know, go. And, and, and just and doing that in the authority that we've been given in Jesus. So we've been, we talked about, you know, miracles of healing. Last week, we heard a story of a miracle of rescue as Anne shared her story with us. Um, and I just want to say, if you missed that, if you were not here last week and you missed that, you definitely want to go to our podcast and, um, and listen to it. It's a powerful story of rescue, of redemption, of restoration. Um, incredible. So <clears throat> you'll want to go back and listen to that if you missed it. Today we're going to look at miracles of protection. The Lord, or, or, or Psalm 37 uh, Verse 39 says, the Lord rescues the godly. First part of that we saw last week. We, we saw rescue with, with, with Anne. Uh, uh, the Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. And it's the second part of that verse that, that kind of describes what we're going to be talking about today. He is their fortress in times of trouble. A fortress is a place that, you know, you think of a fort, a fortress. It, it, it's a place that we run to for protection when we're threatened and we're, we're in trouble. A couple of times when I've been down in Florida, 
I, I visited uh, St. Augustine, and I, I love to visit the, 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 the old fort there and the old city there because I, I, I love history. I don't have the memory to remember any of it, but I love looking at it and I love studying it. Well, I love being there and imagining, you know, the ships out in the harbor attacking the fort, and the fort just standing there as a as as a guard, as a as a a, a defense, as a protection, you know. And I can imagine that, you know, everybody in the area when the attacks came, they would run to that to that fortress. They would run to that fort for <clears throat> protection and. And, you know, that's who the Lord is for us. He is our protection. You know, we run to him for protection. We find that protection in him. Um, one of the, one, one of the uh, news stations this week posted a flashback story of what they called the super outbreak of 1974. Anybody remember? Anybody see that story this week? Anybody see that story? The super outbreak of 1974. Um, when 148 tornadoes swept across 13 states in a 24-hour period. 13 of them were in Indiana, and one of the tornadoes that hit Indiana tracked 121 miles long. Does anybody remember that event, that happening, that, that time frame? I remember it well. I was in high school, and it was spring break, and uh, I believe I was... Uh, yeah, I, I, I was a junior, I believe, in, in high school. It was spring break week. And a friend and I had gone camping by motorcycle in, um, to Turkey Run State Park, which is just almost over to the Illinois border, just you know, like due, pretty much due east or, or west of, of Indianapolis. Um, and that's where the storms all came through. Um, I, I remember... Uh, and not only were we on a uh, motorcycle, we had a flat tire, too, um, which was interesting. Um, and I, I remember going by past a gas station. The, this was a gas station. It had an awning over the pumps, you know, and it was right outside the park where we were, and that awning was just twisted like a pretzel. I remember going by there thinking, oh, my goodness. You know the power of, of that, but all these storms going through, and, and we were going to spend the week there, but because of the storms, we decided to cut our trip short, and you know we got a little bit of a break in the weather, so we loaded up all our gear, you know, threw it on the bike, and started racing for home. We're flying down the highway to get to the safety of our homes, a place of where we thought we'd be protected, you know, we'd be safe. Flying down the highway. You know, with this, and, and we look behind us, and there's a storm, the darkest clouds you've ever seen in your life. This storm just barreling up, coming straight behind us. And, um, oh my goodness, just trying to get to Indy, just trying to get to, get to our homes. And, and we barely made it home. Uh, you know, I had just made it home. My friend was pulling in his driveway when the hail started. And uh, uh, it, was, it was tremendous. We knew we would be safe in our homes, you know, we, we, we knew we would be safe in our homes rather than out on a bike, you know, it, it was like a fortress, it was, that place of, it was that place of protection for us. Well, in the same way <clears throat> uh, that, my, that my home offered protection from the physical storm, the Lord offers protection in times of trouble in our lives. Our God is a God who saves and He is a God who protects, but as 
many of us have experienced, and as we're going to see in the Scripture, that doesn't always look like what we think it should. This morning, I want you to walk out of here today just with two big thoughts. I want to give you two big thoughts to, to just kind of tuck away and, and keep them in, in, in your mind. When we think about God protecting us when we're experiencing trouble, we often think we know what that's going to look like, right? You know, God, if, you know, I need you to do this for me. I need you to, to do, do that. And, and we picture what it's going to look like. But much of the time, what God does doesn't look anything at all like what we think it should look like. And when that happens, we sometimes struggle with trusting God. I mean, it's easy to trust God when things are going well, or it's easy to trust God when you know, we can, okay, God, I can see you doing this. I can see you doing that. Okay, I figured it out in my mind now. Okay, God, I'm just going to trust you to do those things. It's something else when we can't see what he's going to do, when we can't figure it out at all, we don't understand. That's when we sometimes struggle with trust. Is God really going to come through for me because I don't have a clue and I can't see any way that it could possibly happen? But the thing to remember this, and, and this is our first big thought for this morning, before you long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. We need to remember that. Whatever our problem may be, God saw it coming long before we ever did. Nothing ever catches him by surprise. Nothing that has ever happened to you. Nothing that ever will. Nothing that you're facing today. Nothing has, nothing has, has ever caught him by surprise. He never loses sleep over a problem wondering what he's going to do. Because he saw it coming long before you and I ever did. And he has a plan long before you and I ever even thought to utter the words, God, what am I going to do now? He already has a plan in place. In Acts 16, <clears throat> we're going to look at a miracle of protection. Although we never could have written the script for the story. Never in a million years. But we're going to look at a miracle of protection. The Apostle Paul and Silas were in Philippi. Okay? And they ran across this demonized girl who, who used to make a lot of money for her master by fortune-telling, and she was harassing, you know, saying, oh, this is Peter and Paul, they're going to tell you the way of salvation. Just going around and just being that annoying, annoying, annoying voice. You know? and, and, and finally, you know, they get just exasperated, and, and Paul just you know, turns to her and you know, finally had enough. He turns and he just commands a demon to come out of her. That's all good and well, except her master that she was making a lot of money for through her fortune telling. Now, because that spirit was gone, she wasn't able to do her fortune telling. She wasn't able to make money more anymore. And he got kind of ticked off at, at, at Paul and, and Silas because she couldn't make money for him any longer. So uh, he had, you know, he, he dragged Paul and Silas before the officials. And this is where we pick up in verse 22. It says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the, official, the, the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. 
So, <clears throat> Paul and Silas were doing just what God wanted them to do. And they ended up being severely beaten and thrown into prison. Now, if I'm Paul, I'm starting to think some things. <clears throat> if I'm Paul, I'm starting to think, God, this isn't fair. I mean, really, what's up? I was doing what you wanted me to do. I was doing your work. I was working for you. I was doing what you wanted me to do. And here I am. I'm beaten. I'm bleeding. I'm in prison. It's not fair. Why did you let this happen? I'm starting to, to, to interrogate God at this point if I'm Paul. You know, where are you, God? I thought you were with me. but uh, you know, and, and on top of that, the beating that they received was illegal because it was illegal to, to, for a Roman citizen to receive a beating without a trial. And there had been no trial. So they had been beaten unfairly, beaten, you know, without a trial, and, and thrown in prison. Thing is, thank God I'm not the Apostle Paul. Because that's not how the Apostle Paul responded. Let's continue in verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the, or all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Instead of questioning God and instead of complaining and, about, and talking to God about how unfair it was, instead of grumbling to each other or grumbling to the other prisoners, we don't deserve this. We didn't do anything wrong. By the way, I would love to one day talk to, one, to, to some of those prisoners, and I plan on it someday. I'm going to meet him, and I'm going to say, you know, what, what, what was going through your mind while you were watching all this go on? But, you know, in, in, instead of all, you know, responding like that, Paul and Silas are praying, and they're singing hymns to God. They responded by worshiping God. It would have been very easy for despair to overtake them. Now, I have to wonder what the interaction was with the other prisoners, what it must have been. I can hear them saying, well, you know, where, I can hear the other prisoners saying, where is God now? Is this how your God treats you? What's the point? What's the point of serving him? Look where you are. Couldn't he have prevented all this? And I guarantee you, if the other prisoners weren't saying those things, you can be sure that the enemy was whispering those things in their putting those thoughts in their heads. But instead of focusing on what God didn't do and what God wasn't doing, they opened their hearts, they raised their hands, they lifted their voices, and they began to worship God in the midst of their pain, in the midst of the prison. In spite of being in a situation that seemed to be wrong in so many ways, they worshiped God. I want you to write this down on your notes somewhere. <clears throat> if you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this. No matter what trouble or situation I'm in, worship is always the right response. Write that down. No matter what trouble or situation I'm in, worship is always the right response. 
Mark Batterson, um, a pastor that wrote, wrote a book called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. And it's an excellent book. I highly recommend it to anybody. Um, and this is what he wrote. He said, don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. A lot of times we look at what's wrong with us, maybe our faults, our failings, the situation that we're in that's, that, that's really difficult or whatever it is. And, and we say, I, I can't worship. I don't feel it. You know, I'm just, I, 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 I just can't right now. Whatever's wrong in your life and whatever seems unfair, whatever you don't understand, don't let it overshadow the goodness of God. Don't let it keep you from worshiping all that is right with God. Mark Batterson goes on to describe worship as zooming out and refocusing on the big picture. Zooming out and refocusing on the big picture. And that's what Paul and Silas did. They zoomed out so they weren't focused on the fact that they'd been beaten. They weren't focused on the fact that they were in prison. They zoomed out and they looked at the big picture. They zoomed out and they focused on the goodness of God. They refocused on the, 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 the sacrifice that Jesus had made for them. The fact that he went to the cross and laid down his life for them. The fact that he promised that no matter what they went through, no matter where they went, he was always going to be with them, no matter what trial they were going through. They focused on who God is rather than on what he seemed to not be doing at the moment. And all the prisoners were watching Paul, and all the prisoners were watching Silas, who, who, was, who was in the, they, you know, they were all in the same prison together. And, and they were watching as Paul and Silas were, you know, responding by turning their faces toward God and praying and then worshiping God. And then suddenly something amazing happened that nobody could have predicted, something they never could have anticipated. A massive earthquake hit. The, jails, the, the, the doors of the jail just sprung open and their chains fell off. Now, I, I, I've been thinking about this. I'm trying to picture this. Okay, if you've seen the destruction an earthquake can do, if you've seen what can do to buildings, I can understand how an earthquake could hit and the doors fly open. Okay, the, 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 the frames just hold the doors. They pop open. I can understand that. What I can't figure out is how would an earthquake cause chains to fall off? Any way you look at it, it's God. You know, so this, this massive earthquake hits, the doors open, the chains fall off, and, and um, um, they were free. They were free, but they didn't go anywhere. Think about that. The doors are open, chains are off, and they're not going anywhere. I mean... Even if I wasn't in chains behind locked doors, if an earthquake happens, I'm trying to get out of that building, right? <clears throat> yeah. <coughs> I hear you. Well, Father, I just pray right now for Dominic and ask that you would 
just open his airways right now. In the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, we ask you to go in, open up his airways. Just open his airways. Give him free breathing. Lungs open in the name of Jesus. Airways open and stay open in the name of Jesus. Airways open in Jesus' name. Lord, just continue to breathe freely into, into Dominic and let your spirit touch him in Jesus' name. Just touch him with your Holy Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name. Do you know why they didn't run from the prison? Do you know why they didn't run? Because even in their chains, even when they were in their chains and in the prison, they were already free. Whether they were inside the prison or not, they were already free. It didn't matter. See, their freedom did not come from their circumstances. It came from the relationship that they had with Jesus. He was the sun sets free is free indeed. So the jailer, the jailer saw the prison doors open and he was about to, to, to kill himself, about to fall on his sword because he knew the penalty for a prisoner escaping for a soldier, for a prison guard was death. The penalty was death, so he was just, he knew, I'm going to die, so he just, he was going to kill himself. And rather than Paul and Silas hiding in the corner, waiting for the jailer to, and to take his life, and then saying, okay, now was our chance, we're going to run for it, and then we're, we're free. Rather than that, Paul shouted out to the jailer, wait, don't do that, we're all still here. The jailer rushed in. He saw all the prisoners were there. Not just, not just Paul and Silas, but all the prisoners were still there. They're all accounted for, and he just dropped to his knees. He realized they could have all fled, but they didn't. They saved his life. They protected him from his own plans to take his life. Jailer was so shocked and so grateful, so moved that he just dropped to his knees right there, asked, how can I have what you have? Tell me, you've been worshiping, you've been praying, you've been singing, how can I be saved? How can I have what you have? Because I don't have it right now. He saw that they were different. He wanted what they had. So they told him, he, that, 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 they, they told him how he could have what, what they had. said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And the same is true for the whole family. That if they believed in the Lord, the jailer's family, if they believed in the Lord, then they too would be saved. See, some will teach that this means if you believe in the, the, the jailer, if, if you believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved and your whole family will be also. That's not what it means. Because no one else can have faith for you. No one else can have faith for you. 
It's, he's saying, you know, they're saying to the jailer, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And if your family believes, the same thing goes for them. Your family, if they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll be saved. He took them home. They shared the gospel with his family. They all believed. They were baptized, and the jailer bandaged their wounds. So the first big thought is long before you, have a, you, fa- long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Long before Paul and Silas were beaten and thrown in jail, God had a plan for the whole thing. And the second big thought then is sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. Sometimes God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. You see, God had a purpose in mind all along. While we only see what's right in front of us and we base our plans, we base our prayers on what we want to see happen, Lord, get me out of this jail, Lord, get me out of this situation, God sees our lives from an eternal perspective and what He wants to see accomplished. So Jesus was in heaven and He's seated beside the Father and they look down and they see that jailer. Say, I want, to, I want to touch that jailer with my love. And Jesus says, I have a plan. I know the enemy is going to try to take down and take out Paul and Silas. The enemy is going to have them beaten and thrown in jail to try to destroy them. But I've got another plan. I'm going to cause the enemy's plan to backfire And the jailer and his whole family are going to experience my love through this situation and receive my gift of salvation. So Paul and Silas, they could not have foreseen what was going to happen. All they could see was that they were beaten and thrown in prison. They didn't do anything wrong. But deeper than what they could see was what they knew. They knew that God is always good. And they worshipped him. They knew that they could always, 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 always trust God. They knew that. See, sometimes God's eternal purpose is very different than what we want in the moment. God always has a plan. And he always looks at the big picture. And while we are always a part of the big picture, we are not at the center of the big picture. God and His purposes are. God protected Paul and Silas. He didn't keep them from all pain and suffering. They certainly had their share of it, but He spared their lives. And you see the end of the story. The city officials apologized to them and sent them on their way. And God protected the jailer's life. Let's not forget that. I think Paul would agree with this statement I'm going to make. I think Paul would agree with this when I say, our temporary discomfort is a small price to pay for another person's eternal salvation. Our temporary discomfort is a small price to pay for another person's eternal salvation. The reality of this world is sometimes bad things happen and sometimes storms threaten. Sometimes you feel like you're flying down a country highway at 70 miles per hour on a Honda 450 with a killer storm coming up right on your tail, coming up fast behind you. 
and we run for protection. And we need to pray. We need to pray for protection. We need to be praying for protection for ourselves, for our families, for our friends, for church family. We need to be praying protection because we have an enemy that wants to take us out. But we need not fear and we need not worry. We pray, we worship, and we trust. And as we pray, we remember that long before we ever face a problem, God already has a plan. And along with that plan, God has a purpose. And sometimes God's eternal purposes don't lie with our temporary plan. Can you imagine if Paul and Silas had somehow been delivered from that jail like they're in there for a little while and then it's, it's like someone comes along and bails them out and they get to leave. Where would the jailer be now? Where would the jailer's family be now? <clears throat> like the worship team to come up. You have a storm that's bearing down on you right now. What is it? What is it that has you running for protection? What is it that has a storm? What storm is it that is like, it's just like you're running and it's right on your tail. If that's where you are right now, I want to encourage you, pray, 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 and worship. Turn your face to God and worship him. Close your eyes. Picture the storm bearing down on you from behind. And then look ahead and look at Jesus. Looking at Jesus doesn't take the storm away, but it puts your focus where it should be, on him. And I want us, I want to pray. Father, I worship you. I worship you. I give you all glory and all honor and praise. You are almighty God. There is nothing that is beyond your power. There is nothing beyond your ability to do. There is nothing stronger than you, no one stronger than you. There is no one that can thwart your plans and your purposes. So I lift my voice to you and I worship you. I give you glory and honor and praise. I thank you for your goodness. You are a good God and you are good all the time whether I'm seeing it in my life right now or recognize it in my life right now, you are good. 
with you, there's no shadow of turning. And your love is beyond compare. You paid the ultimate sacrifice for me. And I love you for it. So Lord, I lift you up. You are high and exalted. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Creator of heaven and earth. You're the one that put the stars in place and knows each one by name. You're the one that cares about the tiniest, most seemingly insignificant detail of our lives. So Lord, I'm praying to you in my storm. But I'm not focusing behind. I'm focusing on you. Because I trust you. Even when I totally don't understand, I trust you. I trust your plans and your purposes. I am yours. Completely. I'm not holding any area back. I'm surrendering to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ushers are